Is your business stuck in one spot struggling to grow? Our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator at winninggym.com slash grow has your back. Sign up now for easy wins, no more struggle, just straight growth. You've got this. Now let's head on back to the show. You are listening to the Built to Grow podcast, delivering the knowledge in all things fitness business. We help gym owners win. Here are your hosts, Tim Lyons and Randy Angston. All right. Welcome back to the Built to Grow podcast. I'm your host, Tim Lyons, in the studio, joined today by Randy Angston. What's up, buddy? Hello, my friend. Episode number 500. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right, guys. Well, we've been doing this a long time. Today's our official 500th episode. Yes. Feels good. Full studio crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of of great memories on this show. A lot of good stuff happened uh, over the last, what is it, four and a half years of twice a week, straight through, banging out content, episode after episode, just getting after it bringing you guys the uh, the knowledge bombs that tickle your earlobes <laughs> all good stuff it's uh it's been great um so what we did over the last probably month we just kind of requested uh you know call in call in we gave you guys a, a recording a recorded line you could go in and ask questions and this is going to be kind of a different episode we're going to play your questions which we just barely heard for the first like i just heard of all of these questions for the first time today yeah um Hopefully, I've get my mind right around you know what what these questions are, but uh, you know these were burning questions that y'all had, and and we want to answer them, you know, best of our knowledge. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, obviously, our goal is to deliver the most valuable information on what's yeah. what you need to hear, and uh, what better way than to answer your specific questions here? So we've got these questions queued up. Nick, are you good to play uh, questions? Thumbs up if you are. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play the question. Through the so you should be able to hear the question as well, and then we're just going to jam on it, and then we're going to move on to the next one. So let's let's rock and roll. There's no time to waste. We got lots to cover. So let's go ahead and uh, play that first question. What's up, Tim and Randy? Justin Jefferson here. Uh, as you know, client onboarding can be really really important. Um, what does your client onboarding process look like from the time someone joins and becomes a member? All right, thanks, guys. Awesome. Here we go. That's well, a great question. And Justin, thank you for this question. So yes, it is very important. Client onboarding is the, you know, not necessarily the first experience that they have with you, but it's a very important span of time. And I don't know what you would say the end of client onboarding is. Is it is it day five? Is it day 105? Sure. You know, I think it's an ongoing kind of thing. And it's important to look at all these processes and, and you know, have a game plan. So, you know, I can, I can speak to what we do here and we can speak to what some of the other iron circle members are doing, um, you know, as far as the day they sign up. So, you know, if somebody comes in and we find, you know, we, we end up coming to an agreement and they're signing up to move forward. So the very first thing we're going to do is we're just going to get them onboarded with the app, right? We need, okay. we need them to understand how to book appointments, how to use the app. So we'll do that right there in a consultation right after we sign the paperwork uh, we'll fire the app link over to them and Zach will go over, you know, here's how you schedule. Here's, you know, how the app works. We have a, we have a food tracker in there. We have our in-body. By the time they download their app, the in-body is already in there nice. because it's cloud-based. So it pushes it right into our app. 
uh, in you know explaining the policies on cancellation and how what the time frames are to book an appointment, uh, which for us is one hour. So they can cancel within an hour of their appointment or book an appointment within an hour. So sure. uh, we want to make sure that they understand that there's a fee if they don't show. Uh, policies and procedures, mm-hmm. really right there. Let's get that out of the way, make sure they're very clear on that. Then we'll go and walk them through the gym. We need them to understand what to expect on their first day because we, you know, they're going to leave that gym that day all kinds of anxiety. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh, what do I need to wear? What do I drink? What do I eat before my workout? Should I, should I take supplements? All these things are happening in their head. So we want to go ahead and just knock that out now. Here's what you do when you first walk in on your first day. You don't need to come check in with me. You just go right to the back, stand here, put your stuff there with your keys. And what will hopefully there's a trainer standing around uh, and then we can introduce them. Yep. You know, hopefully this is the same trainer they're going to be working with, but not always, right? Because they could be in the afternoon and they, and they book their first appointment for the morning. So there might be a different coach. Then we'll walk them around, take their photo at the, um, you know, at our wall, show them where the restrooms are, uh, and then kind of send them out the door. You know, we've got automation set up where a couple hours after they leave, we're going to, they're going to get a text from our coach, Brandy. Brandy's our kind of accountability and nutrition coach introducing herself. Um, You know, it says something like, hey, Zach told me all about you, which, you know, hopefully he did at that point. you know, I'm the nutrition coach. I'm going to be kind of following up with you over the next couple of weeks as you get onboarded. Again, introduce, introducing yourself, right? And then um, the next, after they come in for their first workout, Zach will then reach out to them. How did you feel? How was it? Anything we need to know? He'll also get with the coach. Very important. One other thing that we do here is we have a, uh, a rewards or a levels board. Mm-hmm. And because we took their photo, and we've got their name on there, on their badge. We always put our brand new clients up on the top left. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, is when the coach comes and he sees a new name on his schedule or her schedule, well, I don't know who that person is. Let me go to the board and get a visual of who I should be looking for. Smart. There you go. Right? Because we don't want these folks you know, new, new brand new clients who are already nervous to be there to feel any uncomfort. Like yep. we don't want to feel uncomfortable etc. So the first week, all we ask of them is to work out, just show up to your workouts. We're not going to ask anything else of you. Cause if you throw way too much stuff at these folks, uh, you know, your brand new clients, it's going to overwhelm them. Yeah. So all we're looking for there is just to come to your workouts. We're going to follow up with them after each workout. And then we're going to have them start tracking their food and their nutrition in week two. And again, we do that right through the app. We explain that to them right there at the first point of sale. And, uh, you know, and then we continuously check in with them every other week for an in-body meet with Zach in every two weeks for the first six weeks, right? So yep. that's, that covers day one, week two, week four, week six. And at that point, they're in kind of, they've been to a minimum of what, 12 sessions twice a week. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're kind of like in, you know, they're integrated at this point. They've met all the coaches. And then they kind of go back into our, our check-in cadence, which is about once a month with every client. And, you know, again, more if, if needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zach's going to make that decision right around week six, right? Uh, in the meantime, they're getting emails from us. They're understanding other things that we do. They understand how to do business with us. And we try to make it as seamless as possible. So we try to text them because that's the obviously the, the, the communication channel of, of choice. Choice, sure. 
and uh, you know, keep a smiling face on their, you know, on our on our face that we want it to be like cheers when they get here. We want to make sure sure they feel welcome. I mean, there's so many other things you could do. Like for example, I've I've seen this happen in other gyms. Um, specifically, Barry's Boot Camp does this. Uh, they put the name on the like on a whiteboard. Welcome, Melissa. Oh, nice. On their first consultation day or their first, you know, or their first workout. So that's kind of cool to do. Yeah. Um, some of our other uh, Iron Circle members take it all the way to 100 days, specific mm-hmm. uh, cadence of check-ins and things like that. But the point to this is, Justin, you're absolutely nailed it on the head. If you're starting to see some people canceling or coming in and leaving within, you know, 30, 60 days in your operation. Yes. This is where you would focus is the client onboarding. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two, there's two big takeaways that I got from, you know, what you were mentioning. And one is building the relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. showing them how much you care, taking them through, making sure that they feel important and that they're recognized, not just thrown into the, the ocean of people and kind of lost in the mix. That's obviously one of the key goals from that onboarding, but then two is setting expectations. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than a client who doesn't know that they need to check in or doesn't know how to go do those things or doesn't know the processes that mm-hmm. take place here at Legacy. And so by setting those expectations on what they can, what they can expect from both the business and then what we expect of them as well, uh, I think that's an important, you know, both ends of that spectrum. Uh, keep a lot of that to be, it, it, it creates a little bit more of that seamless, you know, path Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, I think it, at the end of the day, it's going to help mitigate some of those one-off situations or I didn't know. Um, <clears throat> and that's that's what comes down to those systems, you know, having those things in place and putting right. people right through a path that it, it almost becomes wash, rinse, repeat for the business. Um, you know, at the other end of the spectrum too, though, making sure that it's personal and that the relationship is really a focus. Yeah. And we, we've got a cadence. Uh, I mean, here, here's the point is you can't communicate too much. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, you're going to send a text, but you should also send that in an email. You should also tell them when you see them, you should maybe give them a call. Like there's all these kinds of uh, other mediums that you should be using or can be using. But like at the end of the day, don't expect that they're going to re- first see your message sure. to remember what the hell it was. Um, kind of repeat that. Hey, as a reminder, this is our policy on cancellations send that through week four. Yeah. As a reminder, uh, you know, here's how you freeze your membership as a reminder. Uh, you know, here's, here's a tutorial on how to book your appointments. And we do allow you to, you know, book within an hour as a reminder, you know, like yep. if you, you know, so the point to this is, is I don't think you can communicate too much. Um, ideally we want to integrate them into the masses as soon as possible, but don't rush it. Right. Yeah. They, they're still an individual, you know, at least they're the, they're the most important person to them. Yeah. We're, like, we're living, care. we're living in their world. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. To them, they're the most important yeah. and they should be because they just, they, they, they gave you the, the money. They, they committed to you. Now it's time to commit to them, you know, and be there for them. So don't rush that part. So. Yeah. And I think, yeah, is it a, a gym owner as Zig Ziglar said it years ago, it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And in the the world of fitness and the relationships that we build, in order to get the results, you know, we need to show them that we we do care about their results. And it's not they're just not just another number. And we've all dealt with that with major corporations and things like that. We can't afford to operate that way in a you know small business like the, these training businesses. And so, I think that over delivering when it comes to the 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 care aspect, showing them, hey, you're part of a community, you're part of our family. Uh, and treat it that way and believe it that, you know, that's going to lead to long lasting clientele. 
Absolutely. Great question, Justin. All right, let's let's uh, let's move to the next question, sir. Hey there, Tim and Randy. Congratulations on your 500th episode. My question from Bobby and Phoenix is what was your most memorable episode? All right, most memorable. Thanks, Bobby. Um <laughs> There's okay. some bunch. Ah, uh, there's tons. I, I, I can think of a few right off the top of my head that are definitely going to be go down as some of my favorite. And those ones were with, uh, they, they included whiskey. I, I love how you went right where I was going. <laughs> it, it included uh, our friend Rick Mayo. Rick, yeah. Um, we, just, we just have a blast. Yeah. Um, it's been years since we've done these episodes, but uh, it was in the old studio. I don't think we did one in this yeah, one. We'll have to christen the table soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we used to do something called Whiskey Wednesdays, and uh, no, it wasn't on a Wednesday. It was just what, what we <laughs> called it because it it rhymed or it worked. But uh, we would we would you know just you know jam. We yeah, would jam out, and we would just have a good old time. I mean, that one was those ones were always uh, my favorite. We we had some great guests on here. We had. Um, uh, Clayt Mask. That yeah. was an amazing one where, where I kind of opened a can of worms, which between mm-hmm. uh, Infusionsoft at the time and Click Funnels and what the beef was. And um, that one got a ton of views and it kind of got shared around in the digital marketing spaces because it was like, hey, what was, what is your side of the story? Because yeah. Clayt's a very reserved uh, person. We know him personally. He's the CEO of Keep and he sat here and, uh, you know, kind of told us the, the other side of the story, yeah. which was Spill the Beans. Yeah. Which was interesting to hear, you know, because yep. we're, we're, we're big ClickFunnels users and, you know, keep users, obviously, uh, you know, partners and everything with them. And they just hated each other for whatever <laughs> reason. I don't know why. So anyways, that was uh, that was that. I like a lot of our a very tactical, like, you know, you and I obviously want to want to share information where we're skating to the puck. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not always about what, what has happened in the industry. You know, some of our, our forward focused, future focused, where we're kind of seeing, you know, we're sharing what we see happening in the marketplace. Obviously we were big proponents for Mm -hmm. semi-private. We've been talking about that since probably started the episode, you know, the the podcast in itself. But, uh, you know, as that becomes somewhat the the new norm, something else comes along and and we'll be talking to that stuff. So uh, even with the the semi-private stuff, I look at real tactical, actionable ones, um, you know, where we lay out the process, where we talk about the math of, of how mm. we, you know, have a million dollar business, that type of thing. Uh, I think that's, that's the stuff that resonates and it's really easy for our listeners to kind of understand nice. how to go implement those things. Great. Cool. I mean, thanks Bobby. Thanks for that question, man. That was uh, reminiscing on a couple of those episodes. Those were a lot of fun. There's a lot to choose from. We need to, uh, Get some whiskey flowing again. We should just have whiskey right now. Nah, it's too early. All right. That's, that's the problem is we when we record at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays, uh, yeah. it, it affects the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tim and Randy. Um, Evans here, uh, proud IC member. I have a quick question about managing the desire to create a lifestyle option for your staff, but at the same time, you know, having challenges with loyalty, you know, follow the game plan and everything, you know, about regular check-ins, you know, having, you know, uh, uh, not doing the commissioned or pay-to-play model so people have predictability with income, but even still, probably on a six-month mark, it's like, oh, I don't really have a passion, you know, for fitness, just as the beginning get good, or dealing with the, I decide to go into another direction. I know that's a part of owning a business, 
But if any tips you can share about how to create a little bit more stability, uh, you know, because the only thing I'm getting from the exit interviews, oh, it's a great place. I just decided to do something different. So whether it's on the front end of vetting or other things to help create that stability within the team, that'd be a great thing to share about. Congratulations on 500. Nice. Thanks, Evans. Well, that's a big question. And I don't think I heard this one. So I I must have missed this one. So, but, but it's very relevant because in this industry, I mean, Ursa stated years ago and it's probably freaking shorter now. It was like a a new coach will enter and exit the industry completely in 12 months. Industry. Yeah. Not just your business. That's a big deal. And so you got to look at, you know, the fitness industry, the personal training, coaching part of that and, and you know, why, why are they coming and leave, you know, leaving in such a short amount of time? And you've got to look at the demand on the human being, right? You also have to look a little bit at the work ethic and the, the, you know, the generational things, but, but there's going to be some principles within your organization that um, have to be there in order to to create longevity. You have to have a career path for coaches. Mm -hmm. They have to see whether it be position, ranking, you know, responsibilities, uh, pay increases over the long term. They want to see the path. They just got to see a path, right? And, and you know, and, and the unfortunate thing is in small gyms like we operate, there's there's the coach, the fitness director, and then the owner. And if the fitness director role is taken, the coach isn't going to become skip over that and become the owner, obviously. So, like, they are a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some, in some uh, circumstances, that's where they're going to end because you don't have a path, right? And, 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 you know, so we lean heavily on uh, personality assessments mm-hmm. like disc, disc assessment, assessment mm-hmm. to kind of give us uh, a clearer picture on what motivates that coach. Maybe it's theoretical, which happens to be a, the number one in a, a lot of coaches is they're driven or motivated, I should say, by learning, mm-hmm. right? And if they're not learning anything and they're just, do, you know, punching the clock, doing their job, going home day after day after day, they're not going to be very motivated. And so they're going to start looking elsewhere. I, um, you know, some are altruistic, which is, you know, I want to be like Mother Teresa and you know, help everybody. The- and that's, that's also very high. Some are economic, some are power driven. So some of them need to be put in positions where that they lead or they're in charge of something, they're, they're in charge of the program, they're in charge of the client outreach, they're in, in, in charge of these 100 clients, they're in charge of something other than just training. Some of those coaches will just stay, and they don't, they're not motivated by much, and, you know, and they'll be, maybe even be with you 10 years or yeah. five years or yeah. whatever. And some, sometimes it's as simple as just a little recognition for them. Along the way. That's true. Yeah. So there's there's some books out there. Drive by Daniel Pink is one that comes to mind that really opened my eyes. It was like not everybody's motivated by more money. Some yep. of them want more days off. Some of them want uh, recognition. They want to be employee of the month. Whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, and there's all these different things. And you don't you know you can't just assume everybody wants a raise. Mm-hmm. To to you as the high D, the driver, the entrepreneur, the risk taker. Yeah, more money is going to probably be what you're looking for most likely. Uh, but your coaches, you'll be surprised, right? So number one, got to have a career path. Number two, the expectations of what you expect from them have to be written out and you have to have performance evaluations on a regular basis. It sounds, Evan, like Evans that you are. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're having these conversations, uh, but then they just decide elsewhere. And, you know, I don't know those particular 
situations, but like, you know, when we've lost somebody here, for example, uh, the last coach we lost, it was very clear up front. He wanted to work with athletes. Yeah. Even when we hired him yep. and he was an, he was an ex exos intern. Uh, one time he worked for them. He came to us and then they picked him back up two or three years later. Right. He got a great experience. We, we, we used, you know, he, he was a great coach for us. Yeah. We, we couldn't compete with like the salary of a, I think he was getting 85,000 or something for being a coach. Like that's probably not where we're not gonna be able to match that. Okay. Yeah. So unless they're a director or something like that. So, you know, he has to move on. It's a better opportunity, right? And so if you don't have the opportunities uh, for your staff and there's really, there's nothing uh, for them to look forward to or work towards, it's really, you know, they're going to find something else. And, and I don't think that it's a bad thing. And again, I'm not saying you want coaches coming and going, but I don't think it's a bad thing that after so long, a coach does decide if there's something, you know, in their personal desires that mm -hmm. doesn't align with the opportunities in the business that they do decide to move on. That's yeah. probably better than having them in a seat where they're not happy. They're not going to potential a hundred percent. Exactly. Cause they're yeah, the, exactly. They don't have the, the growth, the opportunity in front of them. So they're going to get stagnant. They're going to get, um, you know, complacent in some of that, but, um, you know, hope, hope, we hope that coaches can be with us for a number of years and that we can have that relationship. So obviously some of it just mitigating that up front, knowing what you're stepping into, I think setting clear expectations on both at both parties, mm -hmm. here's what we're going to provide as a business for you. And here's what we expect of you in your role. Um, another thing that I don't think it's as common in this industry as is, is I think it should be is more of the personal development of each individual. Um, and it don't mean just, you know, continued education in their role, mm -hmm. but leadership from, you know, communication skills, um, how to, you know, it could be everything from financial understanding. Um, there's so many different things that we as business owners and, and from that seat, we, we go and educate ourselves on, we're learning all of the time that a lot of that can roll downhill. You know, it could help them as an individual with the job that they have uh, simply by, you know, suggesting maybe maybe some books or podcasts. Um, and this all came actually, I, Evans asked this question to the Iron Circle within the last few days. We're having this same conversation, ironically. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and our buddy John Farkas, you know, he brought up the fact that like everybody within, within their expectations, part of that is continual um, development as, as an individual, I'm going to suggest these books when I suggest them, that means you're going to read them. Um, and, and to me, that's what, what more can you ask from a business that's going that far above and beyond just kind of the, here's what you need to do the job today. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and that stuff that carries over into life, much like we teach in our iron circle, it's not just, Hey, how do you uh, go get more money in, in, in the four walls of your gym necessarily, but what are the things that spill over into the lifestyle that you're looking to have and, and how can we help? And I think some of that can, can really, you know, it shows somebody that again, you care as an employee, you want to see them do well. Um, and you create an opportunity for them to, to have as much of that opportunity as possible. Yeah. I think you have to have an open dialogue. If you don't have that kind of relationship yet with those, um, coaches it's kind of that's going to be tough to start talking about their personal life and if the life well, and i don't think you need to get into it but i mean just if, when you're setting expectations from from an employee standpoint you got a new hire like hey mm -hmm. we're going to help you develop as an individual not just you know go and count reps and, and do your job on mm -hmm. the floor like you know to me that's i i remember my early days of the ownership and, and the employees and, and kind of the expectations were all wacky like if i were to ask them to read a book okay 
outside of their day. They were, there was some expectation of being paid for that, which is ironic, right? Because I'm not getting any value of you reading this book to help yourself, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, it comes down to like, will they do it? Maybe, maybe not. Like, you know, John's like, I expect you to read this book, but, you know, are they going to do it? Are they going to? They're going to want to be paid to go read this book. You know what I mean? It's going to be interesting. Sure. Um, that isn't the case anymore for me. But like, I remember early on, it was like me versus them, the coaches. It was just like their time is, is value. You know, you can't not ask them to do something. You can't ask them to go to a holiday party because it's a work thing and without paying them. It was just, I hated all of it. I was mm-hmm. like, just do the thing, you know, because I was in other companies where there was Hollywood parties, there was no expectation. No, yeah. They asked me to read a book. There was no expectation to get paid to do that work, right? Like, it's just what you did for whatever reason. At that time, early in my gym world, that was like the expectation was, I'm only doing what I'm supposed to do it between this hour and this hour. And it was, and it was ridiculous, the most <laughs> honest truth is. So anyways. But I, think, but I think the relationship that you have with your trainers and, and even the onboarding in the, it's not a you versus them by any means. You know what I mean? I it never was, which was interesting. But there's probably people listening, gym owners right now, that they're, they're sitting in that role. Like, dude, I can't even ask this guy to clean up 15 minutes after his shift ends or else he's going to give me credit. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. But a lot of those guys are also probably in the same position where they only pay their trainers to train and then they have no other requirements or expectations on a job. You like their, Maybe. their roles yeah. and responsibilities. So I think that comes back to setting the expectations. You know, if, if you're coming on board, I mean, you don't need to say, Hey, I expect you to work around the clock and you're not going to get paid. That's not the point, but I expect you to do what it takes to, to succeed in your role Part of that's to develop as an individual. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's, I mean, I think that's, that should be part of any position in any job, in my opinion. Should you be. know what I mean? Should be. But, um, but again, that, that's a conversation and it comes down to, to finding the right candidates. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having yeah. the people that are going to be on board. Because if, if you've got somebody who's going to look at it like you versus them from the get-go, they're never going to change. Like, that's not going to really change. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you wow them with your leadership and show them a, a better path. But you know, it could be from where they came from before. It could be what they ex- what they expect the role being, just walking into the business. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I show up, I train, I leave. If that's the thing, well, maybe you're not the right trainer for our business. Yeah. So as the owner, you need to be very clear on what you expect, what the role looks like. And yes, before you hire somebody or as you're hiring them, that, that has to be absolutely communicated. So over-communication in both two of these questions, you can't over-communicate too much on the onboarding of the client and the onboarding of the coach. Uh, a career path, understand their motivations, personal development, things like that uh, outside of just personal training, all reasons why somebody might stick it out a little bit longer than say six months when they're just starting to, to get their feet wet and get good, right? Because there's nothing worse for turnover of clients when there's turnover of coaches because mm-hmm. change, even if it's for the better, is change and, and clients just does, just don't like it. So they just they just quit. So attention gym owners are you ready to take your business to the next level join our exclusive facebook group profit accelerator and unlock the potential to scale your gym to thirty thousand dollars a month and beyond in the profit accelerator group we're going to focus solely on helping gym owners just like you win we offer regular training sessions and share our best proven strategies to boost your business join us now by searching for profit accelerator on facebook be part of a community that's all about success and growth the profit accelerator where gym owners thrive all right now let's get back to the show 
All right, good question. For let's go. Let's uh, move on. Let's move on to the next one. We've seen in the uh, large group training model that it's become a little oversaturated in the, in the market. Uh, everyone's kind of chasing the same demographic, a little bit of with the price cuts and price wars as well. As semi-private model is becoming more popular as it has over the years, and more gyms start to move into that model. Uh, as our market becomes more saturated in the semi-private, and we're all chasing the same demographic. How do you really stand out in that competition to make sure that, you know, you win, given that we're all chasing the same demographic, the same people, the same training, the same experience? That's our good buddy, Johnny Bravo, uh, Ryan Sells. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest hair you've ever seen. Yes, good question. So I think um, you think that the customer understands what semi-private is, and I just don't think there are. And I also don't think that... Um, it's as saturated as you're you're bringing it up to me. Large group, absolutely dead model. Yep, it's uh, oversaturated. It's very similar across different brands. It's a bunch of people in a room mm-hmm. getting sweaty. So that that class based model, you know, we're pretty adamant about switching out of that. The question really is: is hey, I'm offering semi private. The guy down the street's offering semi private. How do I beat him? That's really what we're coming down. That's the question. Yep. Um, lots of answers for this. This is a, this is a really good one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of things, you know, the last thing I want to compete on is price ever in the story. We can't say, do act, treat the service like anybody else. Yep. We can't compare ourselves to anybody else. We can't go looking, see what they're doing to kind of create your own model because then you're going to have bias and you're going to start pushing your stuff to look like theirs. Stay away from that comparison trap because when you start looking, what do they charge? How many times a week are they? Create your own. Yep. Be very unique in this. Uh, this comes down to the unique mechanism. Yeah, 100%. This is this is marketing. What is the, what is the reason? Think about your think about the reasons in the services you deliver within the four walls of your operation and why that client gets results with you. Okay. What is it? Is it because your training and your programming is unique to a point where we burn calories after, you know, up to 72 hours, you know, epoch, maybe that's your play. Uh, maybe we offer strength training and we believe that lean muscle mass and basal metabolic rate and, and you know, burning calories at rest is, is the way, is the reason why people get results with you. Maybe it's your uh, stellar uh, accountability, uh, you know, approach to how you keep your clients on track and motivated. Uh, maybe it's your nutrition program that's got, you know, the, some of the cadence and the calories and the, the switching of the, the macronutrients on timing is your secret sauce. Look there first. Yeah. What is it? What is the reason why clients get results for you? Like in your, like, what are the things that you do in your facility that get results? Next thing you do then is write all that out. Like, here, okay, what what are we doing here that's so unique to us? Got lots of great stories on this. I mean, this is this is our dear friend Todd Brown. Todd Brown really really taught us this uh, top to bottom when we were deep in the marketing world. But essentially, it is marketing. Yeah, it is. Being honest, it is. It's communication. So we're gonna we're gonna put some some names around these um, processes, these unique mechanisms, and the reasons why people change or get results with you. Um, you know, if we, if we take a step out of oh, the fitness industry and look at, um, cold filtered process of beer making, Ooh. this was a great story where, you know, like there was beers up against each other. A lot of beers are made the same exact way. Um, you know, for example, Coors Light for, you know, the, 
water from the Rockies, right? Yep. Like that's a very specific, unique mechanism as why their beer it tastes better, right? Yep. They lean hard into that. There was, uh, you know, um, this this consultant was going and working with this uh, this particular beer. I don't remember what brand, but but they were talking about their cold filtered process. And then the consultant goes, stop. What did you just say? Oh, it's a cold filter process. He goes, every, every beer manufacturer does this. He goes, but nobody's talking about yep. the cold filtered process. When you put your flag in the ground on the reason why we get results is because the cold filtered process of our beer making, then nobody else can claim that. When you claim it, you own it. You claim it, you own it. And it's very, very, you you know, like that's, it's, it's, when you hear this and you see it, you see it everywhere. Yeah. You see it with Skechers shoes over the top. They've got like four different unique mechanisms in one paragraph, you know, soul comfort uh, technology and, you know, like dual resistance, weatherproof uh, exterior shell. And like all these things are like, oh, well, that's what everybody does. Every damn shoe has it probably, but. But it's yeah. their process. Yep. And so you, you go and look at brands in the fitness industry very, very clearly. Orange Theory is has the orange zone. Their reason that people get results, in their opinion, at Orange Theory is because we train our clients to get in this orange zone. And what happens in this orange zone is fat loss and muscle loss too fat <laughs> loss right and, and the reason why nobody else can say orange zone or this particular heart rate range is because orange theory put their flag in the ground yep. so going back to hey semi private nobody knows what that is nobody cares honestly what they do care about is your your particular name that you're going to throw on the process for us we have the movement matrix and the Coach Flow Pro system within our semi-private training app, semi-private pro. Guess what? You can steal that from us. <laughs> you can buy that because that's a, that is a absolutely a unique mechanism for the reasons why somebody should go to you versus the guy across the street. They don't have the movement matrix. Yeah. They don't have Coach Flow Pro. They don't have the displays with the workouts and the customization that you can instantly at a change click a button. We're going hard on that here because nobody has that unless we sell it to them. Yep. Which we won't do because they're competitive, you know, competitors. So like you can go and create your instant unique mechanism by going to semiprivatepro.com and going and purchase that system and nobody else can have that. So think about those things first. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've said it since the podcast started, right? Fitness, nutrition, and accountability like that. Those are the three items that globally fitness, you know, facilities bring to the table in order to get a client result. But that's top level. That's for the 40,000 foot view. Take those, create unique proprietary names on each of them, create a system around all of it that you name, you put your flag in the ground and you own. And that's the way that you differentiate yourself from your competitor everybody's website's going to say fitness, nutrition, and accountability. If yours does too, you're putting yourself into competition. You're not removing yourself from it. So don't be like everybody else. Be, you know, you have those unique mechanisms. Be, I don't say you have to be disruption and go against the, the grain necessarily, but, but if you're, if you're using the same language, if you're talking the same talk that everybody else is, then the only thing the consumer is going to be left to and, and picking between you and them is going to be the price point. And that's what you just, I mean, we don't want to compete there ever. It's a race to the bottom and yep. there, there's no systematic advantage of being the second 
most expensive. So this 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 uh, unique mechanism uh, is very relevant. The the rise and fall of CrossFit. Think about mm-hmm. this for a second. When CrossFit came to the market, it was the unique mechanism. Yeah, you know, you know, the CrossFit diehard is going to give me a lot of shit, but it, you know, I don't remember the definition. But it's just like functional movements performed at a, oh constantly varied functional movements performed at a high intensity. Great. That was their unique mechanism. That was the reason why CrossFit got results for people. Now, they put their flag in the ground. Problem being is when you have two CrossFits next to each other. Promising the same thing. Promising the same thing to the end consumer. What happens? Well, it's a price wharf right there, right? Like, And that's exactly what you saw happen over and over and over. Well, they're 99. We're 79. They're 69. We're 68. We're going to go unlimited. They're going to go unlimited. And now you guys are basically competing for, you have you have no unique mechanism, no reason why somebody should go to you versus the other CrossFit. Because again, you're honestly offering the same solution to the end consumer. And one thing that I would I would say as kind of a, I don't, just, I don't know, maybe a warning is it has, the consumer is the ultimate uh, decider, right? Mm-hmm. The marketplace, I always use the term, the marketplace is almost ignorant to the fact that if we don't tell them, we can't hold them to to know it, to expect it. And so you have to communicate to them what you bring to the table, but it can't be too arbitrary to where they they can't understand what it is or you can't actually show them it. So one of the things that, I, like I talk to gym owners all the time and they're like, oh, my community is what makes us different. Well, that's great, but you can't sell it to the person walking through. the Like that's not going to get somebody mm-hmm. to come through the door. That's an experience that they have to actually be part of. Right. And so be careful in in when you choose some of those unique mechanisms or what you actually really push to the marketplace, if you don't have a way of, of maybe a trial is required or, you know, a, a couple week guarantee so that they can experience that. But if they're, if you're deciding like, Hey, you're making your decision on our community versus theirs, the chances that they have enough information or experience, mm-hmm. you have experienced it to actually make that decision is unlikely. So again, they're going to go back to price point. They're going to go back to those things that they mm-hmm. can choose left versus right on. Yeah. And be careful when you're creating names. It just, it can't be some arbitrary, you know, wordsmith uh, nomenclature thrown together that isn't believable. Correct. Super, super burn. Well, you know, you know who does this really well is the supplement supplement industry. Look at this, you know, the the, uh, proprietary blend, blend, you know, like that's, you know, take take a, a page out of that book because they they nailed it with all of their proprietary blends and their, you know, turbo boost, fat burners, you know, whatever, oxygen consumption, cell breakdown, freaking thing. You know, like they just go crazy with it. And you can see it in that industry really well, too, because the proprietary blend is not wildly different from every right. one of them. But when they put it together... They don't show that full list of what makes theirs unique, and then they give that a proprietary name, right? The insane burn matrix, and they trademark them. You know what I mean? Like, that is part of what that brand now brings to the table. Every damn fat burner has the same ingredients, but it's the how they blend it together, what uh, ratios and how, how much of each. Which could be identical. Which it could be identical, but when you slap a name on it that's proprietary to you, and you, you're the only one on the shelf that has the insane burn matrix. Everybody else and then is they're left. looking at two bottles. Yep. They're looking at two gyms next to each other and looking at the labels. They're looking at your price list and when your services against the guy across the street. And, and they look at the bottles and they're like, well, this one's more expensive, but this has the insane burn matrix. This one doesn't. That, that, that must mean this one works. 
this is the reason why I will get results is because of the insane burn matrix. Forget that other competitor. Let me buy this one. And it's just, I, I'm not saying it's BS at all. No, I think it, it's, it, it's it, psychology. It, it's psychology, but it's also you need to highlight the reason why you get results. Slap a name on it. Educate the consumer the reason why. Do it through video. Do it through copy. Do it through photos. Do it through infographics. Do it through blogs, whatever it is. And educate the consumer. When you do that, nobody can compete yep. with you. And there, therein lies the question. How do I beat the guy down the street when we're offering semi-private? Don't say it. Don't yeah. say semi-private. Nobody knows what that means anyway. And so hopefully that answers your question. Good one, though. Thank Good you. one, Ryan, yeah. What's up, guys? Congrats on 500 episodes. Um, my question would be, what do you guys think is the ideal organization chart um, for that million dollar million dollar model of a micro gym and then even elaborating on that is you know someone who's scaling that to two locations is it just you know multiplying the two or do you have um different manager positions you know like I, I, that's one thing that i'm always curious on is what are the positions of the million dollar model? And then if you're growing to multiple, what might that look like too? Great question, Corey. Mm -hmm. So let's define million dollar model really quickly and just in just in quick numbers. When he says that, we've taught we've taught the million dollar model through semi private training, six to one, two hundred clients paying ninety nine bucks a week. Yep. That's eighty five thousand dollars a month, plus or minus, count for freezes, over a million dollars in personal training revenue. Do the math, guys. 200 times 99 times 52, right? So that, that's going to be over a million. And that's the question. How do you, like, how do you staff a, a facility to be able to service that model? Yep. And it's not that hard, honestly. Uh, in my opinion, I think, you know, about 50 clients to 60 clients per full-time coach. So in that situation, that's four you have two morning, two afternoon. You have a fitness director. Uh, maybe you have an admin. So what are we looking at? Four, five, six, six employees. Then you got the owner. I'm, I'm not using the owner as in a position, by the way. Like the owner's out of the operation in our world. Like in our world, they're out of the day to day. They could be the visionary. They can do all the stuff. So, so the question is, okay, what does that staffing model look like? Okay, so it's it's going to be two coaches morning, two in the afternoon, taking twelve clients per hour. Across the board, that's able to service 200 times, you know, about the sessions per, you know, you could, we do in our world, uh, we're, we're first sessions at 5 a.m. We go straight every, every hour on the hour, all the way to seven at night. Seven at night's our last session. So with that staffing plan, you should have more than enough coverage to cover all of those hours. Okay. Then, middle management. Is yeah. there a need for middle management? Possibly. So going, kind of going, Back to Evan's first question, it's like, is there a career path for your coaches? Um, you might have a program director. You might have a fitness director. Um, you might have a nutrition coach. You might have an accountability coach. They can cross, they can cross um, roles. Yeah. Like, they don't have to be only doing one thing. They can be a coach and an accountability coach. They could be a fitness coach and doing the nutrition um, so all that being said, somebody's got to serve the clients. Somebody's yep. got to train. So yep. it can't, can't get rid of those people. So those, those folks are there. Uh, 
Um, and then you got the director, the director doing sales. They manage the team. They pay the bills. They try to keep clients high retention. They coach the coaches. They educate. They, uh, they do the um, check-ins. And then let's just say you had a second location. I still think you need all the same people in both locations. And then maybe you're the, you're the general manager or the regional manager as the owner. Yeah. That's doable with two. That's probably doable with three. When you start getting to maybe four, five, six, seven, you might need a regional. Regional. Yeah. That kind of is bringing all the data uphill um, and giving that information to the owner. So like that, that might be, you know, you maybe at three to four might be that time, Corey, that you might need a regional type person that's overseeing the fitness directors. But with two, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. And I think the one thing that we didn't discuss there, not just from the coverage, but it's the owner's desire. Um, you know, do you want to be, or do you want to be in a position to, to not have a layer and step in when you need to be? Or can you, is there profits in the business where you want to layer somebody else in and, and keep mm -hmm. you for, out of the day-to-day -day entirely? Um, that might happen at two locations. It might happen at one location. Um, you know, having that fitness director and then maybe a floater or something like that so that when they're, they have to go step down and coach, that position isn't vacant and then, the, you know, the owner isn't stepping in and doing the fitness director's role. Um, I know here we try to go the other direction, right? Zach is out. One of the coaches steps up, steps up in, in fulfills his roles and responsibilities. And then the team obviously helps coverage and things like that. Um, other than that, I mean, just, just keep that in consideration when you're laying out your org chart and in, because what's important to you, you know, if it, maybe those locations aren't next to each other, you know, maybe you don't physically live yeah. within re yeah. the region. So you can't just go cover, you know, if somebody's sick or somebody, you know, so there are some some one offs some variables, but I think to the purpose of the question, running a, a somewhat lean organization, not overstaffing and having individual positions for each of the things you laid out, like having a full time nutrition coach, unless your business demands it, mm -hmm. um, having, you know, a, a program director that their job is literally programming for everybody else. Guys, that could be systemized. It could be streamlined. It could be a function of the, the fitness director. You might not need a full time position dedicated to that. Um, I think at the end of the day, the million dollar model laid out the way that you did, not only does it create the ability to serve that many clients and do well with that gross revenue, mm -hmm. but being that lean as far as total numbers of bodies in the position, your profit margin should be pretty nice. Yeah. And that, that guys, if we could drive one poor, you know thing home, it's, hey, have that well-run business, but make sure you're taking something home for having it. Mm -hmm. If you're not making the profit in the business, let's look at the systems, the staffing structure. That's where all that stuff yeah. really comes to light because you're probably spending more than you need to. Yeah, if I'm going to throw a number out there for owner benefit, when I define owner benefit, it's uh, first off, it's profit. It's plus your pay, plus any personal expenses that you run through the operation plus draws yeah should be 35 percent or higher there you go you get that you get to that you know million dollars you're taking 350 home person you know uh, 350 grand in, in owner benefit and you could do that through a lot of different ways but it's it's a combination of all of those what what's your w2 what's your draws do you pay for your cell phone auto gas food whatever that just happens to be on that card and then profit and then total that up. Here's good news, guys. If you're ever going to sell your business, that's the number that they put a multiple on. That's the it's desire, the, yeah. It's the 
owner benefit times three or times four. So if you're doing, I don't know, 350 and you get three multiple, you're selling that for a million bucks. If you get a four multiple, it's 1.2, whatever the math says. Um, I, I think that's a good exit, a seven yeah. figure exit out of a business that paid you for, you know, a decade or so to support your lifestyle. And then you're going to exit it and get another check for seven figures or a million two. Like that's, that's pretty good for one location, I think. So, I think so too. So think that through. Um, moving on. Good. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that answers that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. Thank, thanks, Corey. Yeah, thanks, Corey. Hey, 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 Tim Lyons here. Look, I know running a gym day in and day out can be a challenge. It's often hectic and stressful, but remember, you are not alone. And if you ever feel weighed down by the pressure and you're searching for a lifeline, we've got just the thing. I would love to invite you to our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator program at winninggym.com slash grow. Listen, it's designed to give you tangible results. It transforms your struggle into sustainable growth, and it is a game changer for so many gym owners out there. Again, that's winningjim.com slash grow. Check it out, and let's turn those day-to-day challenges into triumphs. All right, now let's get back to the show. Hey, Tim and Randy. This question might might be specifically for Tim here, but I was just curious and had a question pertaining to your journey. You know, you started a gym from the ground up. How long was it or at what point was the revelation that that man not only not only are we going to make it as far as being able to pay the bills and 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 not go under with this operation, but but actually make it and then provide a a livable livable income for you and your family thanks guys nice i think that's our buddy ryan smith that's a that's a bassy voice yeah a voice for radio ryan okay uh great question how did when when was that turning point i okay so kind of if any you know if anybody doesn't know my story i started in 09 did not have any fitness business background i didn't purchase a gym i didn't have a training a uh, list of clients I was training out of a garage or at another gym and I brought them over. I had zero. Yep. I was, uh, I, I created a, uh, anytime fitness model with personal training. If you wanted it, that was, that was the way we opened up in 09. And yeah, he's damn right. It was a, uh, it was a struggle. Very, very, I mean, here's the good news. There's enough information that we give out. Like you, you should never be in that position. Yeah. Like I, I didn't have any coaching or anything back then. There wasn't any, it mm-hmm. was like some consultants, that I did use it definitely steered me in the wrong direction. So like that, that's also something to think about, but um, you know, I digress. The point of it is I started with nothing. I created a, a model that I thought would work. And then I realized really quickly that this ain't going to work. And I just, I was all about numbers at the time yeah. and I was about projections and like, what's the revenue, what's the rent, what's the expenses going to be and how do I cover this gap? And there was uh, some, touchy nights, you know, looking at numbers where I just was like, man, this ain't going to happen. So I, I quickly changed my model, found coaching. I switched my model to a training model and, you know, didn't really look back. It was kind of a hockey stick kind of increase after that. So what, you know, at what point when I started, when my recurring revenue exceeded my base operating expenses, it was a good day. Um, I didn't know it that's what it should be doing back then. Sure. I just, I just remember looking at like, dude, if we don't make any sales this month, I'm still good. Like yeah. I'm all the bills are paid. I wasn't paying myself, but all the bills are paid. 
Um, when was that? At least, I mean, guys, I, I probably didn't hit that for two years. So I was coming out of pocket for two years on this business. Um, you know, it took a long time. There was, there was some concessions that I ate up early from the landlord and kind of kept me, kept me afloat. But, uh, um, knowing your numbers is absolutely, you know, imperative to this knowing what, okay, what is the, what is the number I need to be at is the other thing. So like, you know, Ryan, like what is a good life for you and your family? What is that number owner benefit? What is that number? Is it 150,000? As long as we're taking 150, like we're comfortable between, you know, husband, wife, two kids, a house, you know, a car, like what does that number need to be? Um, figure that out first. And it's basically a math equation from there. You retro it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so let's just say, I'm just gonna throw numbers out there. I need to make 10 grand a month. Uh, in profit, right. Or owner benefit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're at, um, your expenses are 30 and you're at 30 now. So your income's at 30, your base operating is 30. And so now you need to grow by 10 grand in order for that number to happen. Like to realize the owner benefit, I got to grow this business by 10 grand. Super simple. What's our average member paying us? It's uh, 250 bucks. Okay. There's 40 members to get to 10 grand. Okay, I got to sign up 40. My, my Delta needs to be 40, 40 members. My Delta needs to be positive 10 grand. Recurring, we're there. It's literally backing into the number, I think. It, yeah. you know, it doesn't seem, it's, it sounds weird. I don't know if I know. I don't know, to, I don't know how to answer your question, Ryan. Like, how did I know? I don't know when I know. I just grinded. I knew that I had to grow the top line in order to grow the bottom line. Um, I, I just head down and I just kept my expenses really lean. I just didn't, I didn't go out. I didn't buy new cars or new trucks. I didn't go spending stupid stuff. I just worked. I, I can add, I mean, obviously I was somewhat side by side. I mean, I was a member at Tim's gym three months after the doors opened and, you know, still in the business, still mm-hmm. in the building. <laughs> um, one thing that I could, I could say about your path that I see is different than many gym owners is the fact that you didn't come from the training component. Right. Right. So, and, and here's the, here's the reason I say it because when, when things get hard, we run to what we're comfortable and what we, what we've done before. And I think the biggest problem for gym owners is when we don't know how to grow, like, let's say we figured out that number and we don't know what to do with it. We're going to find ourselves on the training floor, training more freaking clients than we ever have because we think that it's reps doing what we've done to get here. Mm. The thing is, you have to look at the business like a business. And unfortunately, too many trainers, too many gym owners still look at their business almost like a hobby where they enjoy the training, yeah. they enjoy their client results, but they never educated themselves. Like, you know, what we've done to learn how to grow the business. I mean, there's probably a quarter million dollars in direct marketing education mm-hmm. that you've gone through, we've oh, yeah. gone through to to ascend the growth of the business. It, we've never... It's never been about another certification. It's never been about, you know, necessary, necessarily profit centers or like having, you know, eight different offerings or things that we bring or to the table. Or new equipment. Or new, great, new equipment, right? It's never going to be those shiny ball type things that get you to the, the next level or where you truly need to be. It's the fundamentals of business. It's the systems. Sales. It's your sales. It's yep. your staffing structure. It's your marketing components. How you, you know, all of those things have nothing to do with getting a client result in the gym. 
That's the aspect. That's that's what we have to do. And I never day to day. To your point, I never went back to training because I never started there. So I, yes, I did. You're right. I went. I went to marketing. Yep. I went to automation. Yep. I went to direct mail. I was. I was every door direct. Oh God! How many times I was, did we stack it? <laughs> I was constant. I was a student of marketing and yeah. sales. Yep. That's all every waking minute of my day was focused on getting more leads, closing more deals, getting because I knew I could outsell. The problem. Yep. The, the problem was a gap in revenue. How do I get more revenue? More clients was what I focused on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's two other ways, but I focused on way number one. And way number one is get more people in the door, sell them more things. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Here we <laughs> are. You know, and, and you're right. Like, there's, there's going to be a point where you wake up, Ryan, and you're going to look in your bank account, and there was more money than it was last month. And I'm doing this right now with my short-term rental business. Mm -hmm. I, I look at my money today and I go back a month and a month prior. Is it at least what I had in it a month ago? Is it more or less? And that's, that's how I'm gauging this. And my, cause at least in my units that I have, it's like, there's some heavy upfront costs and you're going, you're burning capital. It's just like a business, like a gym, right? You're burning capital, get this thing off the ground. But then there's a equilibrium and then there's a growth. And it's like, when, when is that going to happen? It's happening right now. It's a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening right now. So you're going to wake up and you're going to look back a month ago. Was there more money? I mean, obviously you have P&Ls and everything else you can look at. But like the quick look is cash, cash on yeah. hand. You know what I mean? And so that's that's kind of the tell. But yes, everything I'm doing was at the times to get more clients in the door and if you guys think about it i mean you you've this is episode 500 you've never once heard us talk about anything other than the business side of this business yeah. i guess right but it that's that's the differentiator if you want to grow the business you have to do the things learn the things put yourself in those seats where the result is it, that the dividend that you get is growth in the business mm -hmm. it's not going to happen from you know, some of those things that we laid out, it just doesn't, you have to force the growth of the business as simple as just f focusing on the Delta every month, right? Here's the clients that we have. Here's the clients that have left. Here's the clients that run freeze. What does this number look like? What is our base operating expense? What's the, the ratio compared to, you know, that, what does it look like next month? What does it look like? And just focus on just, it's, it's incremental growth. You know what I mean? Every month, just making sure that the business this month is making more than it did last month and just continue yep. that trend. And it believe, I think it happens faster than you realize, you know, with if, if, full with, attention. Exactly. When you with, focus on it, what you focus on grows, right? That's what they say. So, full, yeah, full attention on that. But, yeah, great point, man. I don't think we've ever talked about uh, body mechanics. We've never talked about nutrition. We've never talked about pieces of equipment. Um Maybe maybe the pod setup, the business side of the equipment, but like, and it's, but it's an efficiency thing too. You know what I mean? It doesn't that yeah. that doesn't make or break the ability to to have the rest of it yeah. or have a success. You could have a you could technically have a gym with four walls and open mats and still find a way mm -hmm. to focus on all the rest of the things that we brought to the table and see you know incremental growth. It just yeah, you got to but you have to you have to be. We did the podcast not long ago about being obsessed. You have to be obsessed about the growth of the business. You as the owner, just another thing I'll throw out there, you have to realize it's a who, not a how, more often than not, right? Like if you if something has to happen in the business, you can't be the one that runs in and goes and does all of it. Um, you know, have the right team in place. Reach out to the people who have what you need, whether it be marketing education, sales coaching, mm -hmm. you know, find a good consultant or a coach. 
if you believe in what they believe, the same thing that we're doing here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, lock arms with that, and then just hyper diligent on that that aspect and grow. Perfect, cool. Let's rock and roll. Is there any more questions? We got one more. Last question coming up. All right, well that this is good. Got some good questions. Hey, Randy and Tim, thanks for giving us the opportunity to ask a live question. I think this is great, and love the show. Always great information. Uh, the question that I would like to ask is how do you step-by-step transition from a class-based model to a semi-private-based model? I'm half and half right now, making some slight transitions by removing my evening classes and replacing those. But how do you do it overall and not upset all of your members? Awesome. I think Thanks, that was our, guys. our buddy Jason. Keep on killing it. Keep sending out those good shows. Nice. Great question. This is something we work on quite a bit. Um, there is steps. And sure. yes, because if you do this the wrong way, you can piss off everybody. And that's what he's trying to avoid, right? Yep. And so you could do it one of two ways. You can do it slow and gradual, or you can just pull the Band-Aid off. And, you know, it's probably the best to do it slow and gradual. Sometimes it takes... A year. Some, I've even had some people tell me it's taken three or four years to do this. And if I look at our business, we kind of had both for a long time. We had semi-private, which was our main thing, but we also had boot camp, like yeah. which is our metabolic training, right? Our class. So here's the steps. First thing you need to do is look at your space. F- can you physically deliver the semi-private product? Mm-hmm. Is there the equipment you need, because when we say semi-private, when we're really talking about it, if we're looking at the exercises, we're talking strength training, weights, bars, barbells. Uh, we're not body weight much. I mean, we can if we need to die, you know, regress or whatever, but like we're strength training. Progressive overload focus, yeah. Okay, so we're gonna look at the delivery of the you know logistics of the delivery. Can we facilitate workouts? And if you can't, that's where I start. You're like, okay, we got to move this equipment over here. We got to buy that rack. We got to do this, this, that, and there. The other thing, we got enough stuff. Okay, boom, you do have that. Then um, we got to look at the schedule. Okay, if you're so heavy in classes, um, there's gonna be there's gonna there's there's a least attended classes somewhere on that list. We got to cut those out. And like he said, I remove my evening classes mm-hmm. and I replace it with semi private. So in the day, not just the physical environment, the equipment, the space, can we facilitate this, but on the schedule, how do I how do I facilitate this on our current schedule? We're going to have to probably remove some of your lowest attended classes, replace it with semi private. And That's- we know based on numbers, the average group training attendance globally is 6. Right. So if you, I mean, at some point you're going to have, like Tim said, you're going to have to look at the calendar and say, or schedule and say, all right, what is our average for each of mm-hmm. these slots? Some of those dwindling hours, perfect opportunity to slide semi-private in there. Right. Right. Now you're not doing this until you do all these steps. You can't, you can't do step uh, two, three, and four without kind of having them all ready. Yeah. So it's not like you just replace it without knowing how to program for it or whatever. Right. Those, those are later steps. So I'm looking at my schedule. I'm looking at my space, uh, you know, like, okay, I can slot this in here and here. I can move that equipment there. Okay. I can facilitate this. Great. Next step would be, okay, look at my coaches. Do I have the staff to deliver the system? 
do I have coaches that can train in this manner? Do they need to be coached up? There you go. Do I even have uh, coaches available? Because maybe you're moving things around and you want to slot in at 10 o'clock. You don't have any coach for that or whatever, right? Like you got to look at your coaches. Um, we got to coach them up on how to deliver a great semi-private experience because the key to this whole thing, it needs to be different. It, needs, it can't be like large group, loud and proud, high fives, chest bumps, just with less people. That's not the point of semi-private. Semi-private is custom programming, strength training, a little bit more form check. Like we're not, you know, hoorahing and all this stuff. You're focused on form. You're mm -hmm. focused on the movement, right? Whereas we might get away from some of that stuff in the class-based stuff. Yeah, it, for the expense of calorie burn. Yeah, just move more, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, next, next thing you need to look at is programming, okay? Like, we're gonna, I'm going to give a plug for semiprivatepro.com. Go look that up. That is programming for semi-private. It was designed for semi-private to deliver custom programming at scale. It also keeps all of your coaches equal. They're not leaving it up to your coaches to program. You're not leaving it up to a director or somebody that could leave the program. You own, the business owns the programming. Has to come top down. There it cannot go. be different between coaches. It cannot be, um, you know, I enjoy training with that coach because what they have me do is different than this coach. It needs to come from the gym, right? Yeah. So like we got to look at programming as a delivery system. That's that needs to be systematic. Absolutely. Like you guys had a podcast, you and Zach, just the other day about what happens when you get that wrong. Yep. Like there's a lot of things to get wrong. So um, pricing and sales. What are we gonna What are we gonna sell this product at? Because the reason you would go to semi-private is so you could make more money. Therefore, you need to charge a lot higher. But the sales side of it, you have to be able to explain the value from one product to the other. Why would somebody choose this option versus that option for this much higher? Like, what, what is that? What are those reasons? Um, I mean, obviously the attention, number one. I mean, the custom customization, number two. Strength training, you know, needs, you know, you know, you need more eyeballs on you. We can't just throw you into a room and have everybody doing the same thing, right? That's not semi-private training. Yeah. I, I mean, people interchange small group training and semi-private training, uh, mix and match those names. It's For us, it's very clear. Small group training is large group training with less people. Correct. Which large group training is, we call, you know, just figure everybody's doing the same thing. Semi-private is private coaching done in a semi-private atmosphere, custom programming, strength training. Okay, let's just kind of get through that. Internal, then external marketing. So, you know, I just kind of have a list in front of me. There, by the way, we have a podcast specifically on this. It's called Seven Steps to Switch to uh, Semi-Private Training. It was, it was released August 22nd, 2023. Yeah, I just go. looked it up. So, uh, internal, external. So, you're going to give your people the opportunity to experience the semi-private training uh, for free. You have to. You have to give those folks in large group training, hey, we're moving to this model. We're going to give it to you for free, same price, for 30 days. You could even go 45. Sure. I wouldn't go much longer than that, but you could go less. You can go two weeks as well. I think the big thing there is you need to give it a long enough time for them to actually experience it and understand the difference, mm -hmm. right? That, that could happen in two weeks. It could happen in 30 days. Maybe 45 is needed if, if, you know, maybe they're just not uh, attending enough yeah. or something like that. But um, they have to be able to, to literally experience it. And, and for them, for the, for the consumer to say, oh, 
I get it. I know that, you know, I've, I've realized the difference. I've, I've got a whole different level of soreness and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like those things, the result for that client is now understood as yeah. opposed to just, this is different. Move pay, this pay, way. Us pay, more. pay us more. Yeah. No, you're right. That won't they, work. They have to experience. You're right. And, and they have to feel muscles. They haven't felt in years, even if they've been coming to your gym for three straight years. What we had happen in many gyms that we work with happen is you got these fire breathing diehard boot campers, right? <laughs> yeah. Or your class based people. Fire they could do they could do two classes back to back and not break a sweat. Mm-hmm. Well what what's going on with those folks? They're conditioned. Their 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 endurance is conditioned. Their bodies have have adapted to that style of workout. But you put a bar on their back, you have them pick up some heavy loads. They have soreness they've never felt in three years. Yeah. And for a lot of those type of people, that's exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I must be out of shape again. Therefore, I need to do this new thing. And they'll buy it. Yeah. So again, going back to that thing, you need to you need to experience, you just got to give them the opportunity. Now, when we do major switches, like a CrossFit gym to a semi-private gym, which we've done, Mm-hmm. We're going above and beyond the communication. We're, we're ha- hosting seminars. We're having state of the unions. We're having um, individual meetings with hundreds of clients at the same time, uh, individually scheduled out over the next 12 months. You do have to pick a D-Day, D- but the announcement should be like months ahead and, and transition those months. Because if you're going to completely remove the old model and replace it with semi-private, you need that lead. You need that runway to meet with each individual person and have this all happen. And you know, but there is a D day. You're by this date. You need to tell us that you're staying or you're leaving. Don't let it drag on. Don't feel bad about it. And the other really thing I would like to mention here is the communication as to why you're changing can go something very similar to this. We've had a lot of gyms use this this kind of language. You know, Mrs. Johnson or 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 gym members oh you know here's the history of our gym here's how we've been training here's what we believed at the time as we've grown as a community as i've grown as a coach i've learned more i've gotten more education and it, it, you know i at this point i we need to change to this model because uh you know this is the best results we can offer for our clients it's the best service and it would be doing you a disservice if we kept you over here in this large grip metabolic style training, when I know there's a better way. Yep. Therefore, as a gym, as a, as a, as a model, we are switching to this new way and it's a better way. And here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to do it over these several months. We're going to give you our experience in this. And by this date, we're going to have to make a decision, but I don't want you to decide now. I want you to just do touch it, feel it. Here's our new pricing. I know it looks like a shock. Let me show it to you. All these things you would do this in a kind of seminar-ish pattern. And it works. Oh, yeah. And you'll be surprised. Oh, my gosh. Because you're taking ownership of the change. You, you learned a better way. You'd be doing a disservice if you continue to train our clients and not get results like that they deserve over here. And this is the better way. And you're going to get better results and a better service. And we can't wait. And we're very excited. It ain't about you. This is the gym. It ain't about more money for you as the gym. Never. What what was that angle towards? That was an angle to the benefit, benefit of the, the of the clients, right? We're we're telling them the reasons why and we're taking ownership of it. So 
Guys, if you need help with that, that's what we do. Um, we have scripts for this stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll it, work with you. And if you do that well, you literally will be thanked for charging them more. That's because, You know what I mean? Because, because, again, we have a – the onus is on us to continue to raise the level of knowledge, and we are the experts that they're coming to for a result. Right. If we aren't challenging and continually developing a new challenge for them, a new result – and progressing them down a path, we can expect them to move on and go find something else and somewhere else to get that. Right. And so by bringing this in, your clients should and likely, as long as you do it well, can over-communicate and paint it in their benefit. They will literally thank you for making that change. Yes. And that's the thing. And then uh, and then a lot, we, we get all the time, we get gym owners that, that want to do this, but they're resistant around it. Sure. The biggest thing that we could recommend is get everything right back to what we were talking about before the math of the business, get really clear for yourself as the owner, because if this is what you believe and this is the path that you need to go down and you need to make that change because it is the right thing for your clients, that's on you. You need to make this happen. But then we're met with fear. Then I'm met with, oh my God, what if I lose 50% of my clients? Well, Let's do the math. What does your business look like today? How many people are you serving? What's your average you know, revenue per client? What does that monthly revenue look like for the business? Then let's do some um, projections. Let's look at, okay, let's say we lose 40 members, 50 members, whatever it may be. What does the new business look like with that l number of less clients, right? Because we're charging more for the service, we essentially can take a loss on numbers of people and still be at break even. And this is the that's the conversation I have with gym owner after gym owner after gym owner on mitigating the fear of making the transition. Sure. The goal is not to put you in a position that's worse off and have to go rebuild an entire new business, but understanding, hey, if if everything hits the fan, what's the worst situation I could be in? And I'm still making the same money, but I'm now training for a third, third less of, people. Yeah, yeah. That at the end of the day, we use the analogy, right? You can take 10 dimes and get a dollar. You can have four quarters and get a dollar. It's much easier and simpler to run a business with four people than it is the 10 to get the same outcome. Mm -hmm. And so the benefit to the owner, right? You guys understand, Hey, I got a streamlined business. I have less people to, to manage and worry about and getting them a result. I can do that at, you know, with a third less of the people and still make the same money that I'm making today. Okay. That's worst case scenario. We've never even hit that number with our transitions, you know? So if you're resistant around it, again, get with us. This is, that is what our coaching program is, is the best at, is helping you through that transition. We'll mitigate those fears. We'll put it into math. We'll show you the numbers. And then it's, it's, it's running the play. Tim literally laid out the steps to doing it. Mm -hmm. We're going to take you down that path. We're doing it for one of our Iron Circle clients right now. Yep. Um, it, it, you have to. You have to. Yeah. I mean... Well, it, you know, at the end of the day, going to the 10 dimes or four quarters analogy, if you if you lose, uh, you know, 10% of your membership base on just, let's just say your attrition sucks and it's 10%. Well, you're going to lose, what, 10% of 10 is one, and then you're going to lose point, point 0.4. Yeah. So, like, the, the point is, even if you had identical attrition rates with less people making more money, you're going to have to replace less losses because... There's less losses on the same percentage, just of less people. And the beautiful it's, end is the other end, the growth. The growth. So, so going back to like your equation, we can we can back into the number and say you can lose forty seven members and still break even. Like that's the number. And when you when you lose twenty two, 
if you didn't know 47 was your number and you lost 22 just without knowing, you'd probably be freaking out. But when you when you lose 22 but you could have lost 47, you got you're making way more money when the transition's over. And yeah, like yeah, that's the thing. You lost way too clients, you're making more money. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. And no, this is not a greed thing. This is a business prosperity thing. This is a profit thing. This is a ability to serve your clients at a higher level thing. You know, listening to this right now, semi-private, six to one, custom programming is better for the end user, for the client, than large group training. Yeah. You, you intrinsically know that. You just know that. How you do it is where you're stuck. I don't know how to physically deliver this product. I don't know how to do the programming. I don't have the coaches. I, great. But there's there's coaching for that. That's yep. what we do. So good on you for asking that question step by step. Hopefully that helps you. If you need more kind of like a deeper dive, go check out that one podcast. It's um, Seven Steps to Semi-Private that we walk through exactly the steps to do it. And again, you guys, if you need help, uh, you know, we're here for you, and that's our coaching program. So. Yeah, boom. So, Nick, is that is that the final? That was the final question, guys. That was episode 500. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the reviews. Keep those coming. It really helps us uh, get seen. I appreciate everybody asking those questions and putting those on, you know, on recording. Um, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We can't thank you enough. I mean, obviously, 500 reps is uh, it's a ton you know, to sit down and continue to deliver with what we feel is the value you guys need in order to continue to win. Um, I like this format. I think that we might work this one in a little bit more, you know, for the future, take some direct questions and, and hone in on, you know, how we can help you guys in the trenches today. So yeah. beautiful. All right. Well, hopefully that helped you guys again. Thank you for helping us celebrate 500. Here's to another 500 over the next several years. That's it for this episode, guys. Until next time, keep changing lives. We'll see you on the next show. Bye. All right. And thank you for listening to that episode of the Built to Grow podcast, where we help gym owners win. Now, do you want to connect with me and other gym owners online? All you need to do is join our private Facebook group, Business Talk with Fitness Professionals. Just head on over to Facebook and type in Business Talk with Fitness Professionals. And when you do, we're going to give you our 10 marketing strategies, seven figure gym owners use to win. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Until then, keep building something great.